Amen. I had no idea that, that you were doing congregational prayer today. <laughs> uh, but God knew. God's funny like that. Did you guys all have a great Thanksgiving? Yeah. You know, last night we had uh, our Thanksgiving banquet where over 200 people came and we all partook in some turkey and some dressing. And I was telling everyone at Sunday Swim that that, that turkey and dressing, that, that set me free. Like, uh, to have me, have me some legitimate dressing and some gravy, lots of gravy. I noticed that some people, they didn't like to put gravy on everything. I was like, well, I put gravy on my salad. Like, okay, all right, maybe not on my salad. I actually, a little bit got on there. If you happen to be in the house of the Lord today, say, I'm happy. If God is good, say amen. amen. Man, during worship, worship was so powerful. Corporate intercession was powerful. And God's moving in this place. God is awesome in this place. Amen. You know, I started last week and I was talking to you about your assignment. Two weeks before that, I preached about singleness and marriage. At the Thanksgiving banquet, our sister Kimberly, she did a, a poem on singleness and marriage. That thing preached better than my sermon. I was like, snap, snap. Man, podcast her poem. You know? (laughs) But one thing I focused on was how, one thing I focused on was how singleness and marriage, it's all about your assignment. And then last week I talked about the title of last week's message was You Don't Know Nothing. And I talked about how you can either take the way of knowledge in terms of fulfilling your assignment or you can take the way of love. That you can try and accumulate as much knowledge and as much insight as possible. But in the end, if it's not about revealing Christ, it doesn't mean anything. Now, after that, a couple of people came up to me and they're like, well, Pastor Marcus, does that mean I need to quit school? Does that mean that school is bad? You know, a couple of people were confused. They're like, but I thought I'm supposed to go to grad school. Of course, if God's calling you to go to grad school, you should go. But the whole point is that God's calling you. The whole point is that you're not doing it out of fear or out of lack. You know, God doesn't despise education, but he's not bound by it. Many of us think that God has to use a particular way, a particular set way in which he used everyone else to get to my destiny or fulfill my assignment. But God is so much more creative. He has very creative means of giving you an education. Joseph's education was in prison. It was in Potiphar's house. I guess some of you are like, yeah, I'll go to grad school now. <laughs> but the whole point is that you're never to allow that sort of way or that progression to be the only way in which you think of fulfilling your assignment. It's all about trusting God and revealing Christ. Amen. Yeah, it's foolishness to think that, you know, God completely despises education. That's not that's not true at all. I mean, I went to grad school. Pastor Christian, he's in grad school right now. He's in seminary right now. And a lot of that, though, came from his own submission. He didn't he thought he was he didn't want to go because he recognized that the anointing and the call of God doesn't come from your degree. It comes from God. 
But if God says, I want you to go, you should go. I'm saying that because some of you have experienced some confusion over the past week. You've wondered, oh, well, is this the way of knowledge or is this the way of love? What, which way should I go? I want you to know that God's heart is to lead you. He says he leads us in paths of righteousness. That means God never leads you the wrong direction. And so if you're, you're hearing his voice and you're following him, he's going to lead you where you need to go. And he's always going to do it in a way that's going to reveal Christ. Amen. 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 Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to do the next part in talking about your assignment. And we're not going to read this whole entire chapter today, but we're going to go through chunks of it. And if you're taking notes, the title of today is called Know Your Rights. Everyone say, know your rights. rights. You know, when I was back home and I went to America for a week, one thing I was there also during election time. It was like peak time for you to be in America. If you're American, like everything was red, white and blue. Everyone's wearing either red or blue, like people walking around with Romney stickers, Obama hats. Like it's crazy. But one thing I recognized when I went back home is everyone's about their rights, you know. They're trying to take our rights. That's all I heard when I was in North Carolina. Strong country accent. They're trying to take our rights. We need to make sure to vote this Obama man out. He's trying to take my rights. We need to vote for Obama. He's going to give us our rights. And I was like, man, why is everyone so much about rights? Well, in in America, at least, I don't know about Canada or any other nation because I'm American. But y'all can educate me. We got this thing called the Bill of Rights. You know, it's like the first thing they teach you in social studies about the Bill of Rights. I don't even remember them, but I know I got some rights. I know I got some rights. You know, I know I got a lot of different rights, not just Miranda rights. If you know what Miranda rights are, that's the rights they read you when they arrest you. You know, you have the right to remain silent. You know, I don't even... How y'all know it? CSI. I was going to say, y'all been watching a lot of cops. And TV show cops where they just running people down and arresting them. Everyone knew the Miranda rights after that TV show. But we're all about our rights. Even believers, we're so much about our rights. We're we're all about asserting our rights, knowing our rights. and, And it's important for us. And so today I'm going to go through three different levels, three different progressions of knowing and asserting your rights that you need to know. Because it is important. Many believers, we walk around in ignorance. We allow the devil to stomp all over us or we don't even step into our destiny because we have no idea of the rights in which Christ has died for. We allow ourselves to be intimidated or misdirected under deception. Because we have no idea of what Our rights are. So I'm going to go through three different levels, three different levels, starting from when you first get saved as to the rights in which we have as believers. And they're located in chapter nine. Before we get into it, I'm going to pray for us, though. Father, I thank you for this house. We thank you that New Philadelphia is an awesome house. Father, each one of us, we don't go to a mediocre house. We're here at an awesome house. We're a part of an awesome 
place, God, a place where your spirit is moving, a place, God, where you have set us in family. And God, we desire for this house to increase. So, God, today I pray, would you do a fresh work in each and every one of us, God? A fresh work to set us up for our assignment, to set us up and to release us into the destiny and call you have for us. God, I pray for your anointing to move, God, just move in power. You've already been moving in power today, God. Just increase it. Do more. Do more. There's no limits with you, God. Do more. Father, bless the word. Bless our hearts, our minds, our ears as we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. The first right you need to know about is the right to be free. Everyone say it. The right to be free. The right to freedom. First Corinthians chapter nine verses. We're going to read verses one to six. Paul lets us know real quick from the be, from the beginning about his first rights. And this whole chapter is about Paul's rights. How about I read the first verse? You read the second. We'll alternate. One to six. Okay. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife? Amen. As as do. Uh, no, no, that's not it. Yet. I was just I was just coming in agreement with the word. Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife? Say it again. As do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas. I want you to stop right there. The first right you need to know about. Write this down. You have a right to freedom. Paul, the first thing he says to them in this portion of the letters, he says, am I not free? He says, am I not an apostle? He starts talking about his assignment. He starts talking about who he is in God. But the first thing he asserts is the fact that he's free. And he says this because the context is that they begin to place some some chains upon Paul. They were saying, you know what, Paul, if you're going to be an apostle, if you're our spiritual father, if you're the person that we're going to look to. You've got to follow A, B, C, and D. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. We're going to put some constraints upon you. We're going to put some, we're going to put some boundaries on you, Paul. There's some requirements that we have to check off on our list in order for you to serve us. And the first thing Paul says is, wait, hold up. Am I not free? The answer to that question is what? Yeah. Yeah, you free. Yeah, you free, man. That's horrible English. I want to give you a definition of freedom, real simple. To be free is to live a life without chains or bondage, either inwardly or outwardly. There's many people who have no chains on them outwardly, but many chains inwardly. See, Paul, he asserts, the first thing he asserts is that he has a right to be free, that he was free and that there was no chains, no bondage that anyone could put upon him. And the first thing you need to know when you become a believer in Jesus Christ is that you're free. That there's no way that you can be bound. Galatians 5 chapter 1 says, it is for freedom's sake that Christ has set us free. Therefore, no longer submit yourself to a yoke of slavery. 
The whole fact that Paul writes that in Galatians that you are set free. Now, no longer submit yourself is telling you that you're free. That being in chains again means that you have to first you have to decide you have to make a decision that you're going to put chains back on. You have to make a decision that you're going to be bound. But for a child of God, you're free. When Jesus died on the cross, when he rose again, he was he made us completely free. When you put your faith in him, what happens is you are made completely free and you have a right to it. You have access to it. You can live this Christian life with a full expectation that you can walk in full freedom. You know, to many of us, we we don't have an expectation for freedom. We don't believe we have a right to freedom. We believe we have a right to bondage. We have a right to slavery. We have a right to chains. You know, God moves in your life powerfully. And the next thing we're expecting is, oh, tomorrow is going to be tough. God sets you free powerfully at an altar call or someone speaks into your life. And man, mm, that set me free. And then tomorrow, oh man, I'm struggling. But the first thing that happens when you become a believer is that you are set free. It actually means that you are set free and you're completely free. It doesn't mean that you're set free and then later on you're going to fall into bondage. When Christ sets you free, he set you free. Free indeed. But to many of us, you know, Pastor Christian, he preached about this. He preached about this last Sunday in his sermon. What if I don't stumble? You know, too many of us, we have more faith in the corrupting power of sin than the keeping power of God. We believe so much that we're going to fall tomorrow and not that God's going to hold us up. We got that like Alicia Keys doctrine, you know, I keep on falling. Right. You know what I'm saying? All of us, yeah, we, we laughing right now, but when we go in the prayer closet, that's what we're saying to God. God, I keep on falling in and out of love with you. We keep, we believe that tomorrow we're going to struggle. We're believing that we're set in this struggle and that we're always going to wear these chains. But what you need to know, the first thing you need to know is that you have a right to be free. And no matter what situation you're in, no matter what attacks come your way, it cannot touch your freedom. You know, Paul understood this to such a degree that in the book of Philippians, he was in prison. He was looking at bars, but his circumstances did not affect his freedom. He was in prison, but he was still a free man. If someone if you were in prison tomorrow, many of us would be calling our mama, right? Crying. I haven't changed. This sucks. The clothes suck. It's all orange. You know, for so many of us, we immediately take on the identity of our circumstances instead of our circumstances taking on our identity. We're in a place where we see bondage all around us. And the first thing we think is, man, I'm in bondage. We see decrease around us. And the first thing we think is, man, I'm decreasing. We're around other people. When I went home, like I was telling you before, all my family members in the beginning, when I first stepped in, there were a lot of them that were so hopeless. And my immediate thought was, man, I'm hopeless, too. I began to just identify with them and their hopelessness. But that's not who we are. See, the first thing that happens when when you put your faith in Jesus Christ is he sets you free. 
Our H&D ministry here in this house, you know what it's all about? It's all about giving you a revelation of your freedom. We sit you down and we open up the Bible. We show you the, the word of God and then we, we lead you through steps. Repent, renounce, confess, repent, renounce, right? But when we say repent, it's not about you just saying, God, I'm so sorry for what I've done. We have cheapened the identity of repentance. We've cheapened the identity of repentance and it's caused us to not have an identity of freedom. See, repentance is all about changing your mind. God, I did this. I thought this. I believe this. But God, that's not who I really am. Actually, God, I'm completely free. Even in our workplace, sometimes we can start getting into this, you know. Maybe we're doing the same thing over and over and then these lies creep in. You're not. You're, you're a slave. And we say, yeah, yeah, I'm a slave. But the truth of the matter is, no matter what your situation, you're completely free. Christ has set you free. You know, when we have an expectation for bondage, when we believe that we have a right to slavery instead of freedom in Christ, then everything becomes chains. Submission, for example. You know, so many people resist and the word submission is such a, a dirty word in the church because when you think of submission, the first thing we think of is chains. Submit myself to someone else. Psh, I'm free. You ain't my master. Submit to you, Pastor Christian. Submit to you, Pastor. But you know, the revelation that God gave me about submission is submission's a choice. When I submit to Pastor Christian, I do it as a free man, not as a slave. You know, it's so funny. In the beginning, certain leaders would come up to me and they'd be like, you know, I don't know. I don't know how you do it. I'm like, what? Do what? It's like, you know, you submit under Pastor Christian. He rebukes you like publicly sometimes. Tells you to turn up the mic. You know, he's like, I don't know how you do it. I'm like, what? You know, uh, you must do it because you're scared. I'm like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Hold up. Time out. Time out, player. I ain't scared. I submit out of a free choice. See, Satan begins to convince you that submission is bondage and submission is chains because every slave needs a slave master. And if you convince yourself that you're in slavery, then you'll begin to see the person you're submitting to as a slave driver. And you'll begin to resent them instead of honoring them. But when you recognize that you're free. Then instead of it being about chains, it starts being about how God can change you through that person. Are you accessing that freedom? Are you asserting your rights? See, you should get to a point. The first thing that should come to you whenever Satan comes to you with lies about bondage or suggestions that you're still bound up. You should say, Satan, there's no way that I can be bound. It's for freedom's sake that Christ has set me free. And I will no longer submit myself to a yoke of slavery. There's no way, Satan, that you can even put a hint of slavery upon me. You know, if you've ever seen someone who's set free completely from slavery, set free from bondage, they have no desire to go back to that bondage. You know, me and Pastor Aaron, we joke a lot. Sometimes at, at, at staff, we joke about some of the stuff we used to do, like how we used to be just crazy. And we'd be laughing like, man, you remember? 
Did you ever? Oh, yeah, man. Me, mm, you know my testimony. I did some crazy stuff. But never does it come up in our minds that, you know, I'd like to go back to debauchery. Mm, I'd like to go back to fornication. Mm, I'd like to go back to those chains. The only way that I could grow into that deception is if Satan convinces me that I'm still bound. I'm still struggling with it. But you can't be bound. You're set free. That's the first level. The first level is that you're completely set free. And when you realize that you're completely set free, you don't fear anything. You don't fear anything. You don't fear ever stumbling. Proverbs 3, 25 to 26 says, do not fear the sudden terror or the storm of the wicked, because it says the Lord will be your confidence and he will keep your feet from stumbling. You know, tomorrow you're not going to stumble. Receive that tomorrow. You're not going to stumble tonight. When you go to bed, you're not going to stumble each and every day. You're not going to stumble. You got to get this mentality out of your mind that you're going to sin every single day. You need to recognize that you're going from glory to glory, from strength to strength, that you're being made into his likeness. And Jesus has no sin in his likeness. You're free. The second thing I want us to look verses seven to eleven. I'm going to read this out. It says who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same for it is written in the law of Moses. You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in the hope and the thresher should thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share in this rightful claim on you, do we not even more? The second thing you need to know is that you have a right to reap. You have a right to prosper. See, many believers, we get to the place where we understand we're free. Hallelujah. God has set me free, but then we still have a poverty mindset. We still don't believe that God actually wants to increase us, that God wants us to reap, that God wants us to prosper. And in this in this passage, what Paul's saying, Paul is speaking to them. And he's saying, check it out, church. I've been ministering to y'all for a while. I've been sowing into y'all your life. I've been preaching the word. I've been teaching. I've been sowing. And now it's time for me to reap. And actually, he was talking about reaping materially. He was like, you know, come on, y'all got to take me out to lunch or something. You know, I've been preaching every Sunday. I've been I've been leading Sunday swim. You know, I've been. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Paul had a he had an expectation that the people in whom he was sowing into, he should expect to reap. He had an expectation that if he was sowing into their lives, if he was sacrificing seed into their lives, then he should expect a crop. And for many believers, we believe in sowing, but we don't believe in reaping. We'll sow, we'll sow, we'll sow. We're all about being faithful, but not about being fruitful. 
The church for so long has had a mindset. I need to be faithful. 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 And then at the end, you're burnt out. You're angry at everyone, especially your pastor. And then you're like, I don't see any fruitfulness in my life. Where was this all going to? This was for nothing. And it was because we were sowing religiously and not expecting a harvest. Do you believe that you have a right to reap? Do you believe that you have a right to prosper? Now, I'm not talking about entitlement. I'm talking about expectation. Talking about what Jesus did on the cross has opened up the door for you to expect to reap in every situation. When you sow financially, do you expect to reap financially? I love what Pastor Benjamin said. He said a lot of us sow apples and expect oranges. You know, we sow financially and then we expect God to bless us with something else. Bless us in our job. Bless us in our workplace. He's like, no, if you sow apples, if you sow apple seed, you should expect apples. If you're sowing financially, you should expect financial blessing. If you're sowing spiritually, you should expect a spiritual blessing. But for many of us, that mindset has been completely removed. We don't even have an expectation to reap. An expectation to prosper. You know, if you don't have, if you sow without expecting a harvest, then your sowing is just religious activity. If you pray without expecting God to move, that's religion, that's not faith. But when you pray and you expect for God to move, when you pray and you put, you say, God, I believe that this is going to happen. And you begin to sow expecting the answer to come. That's when the answer comes. Jesus said in Mark 11, he said, if anybody prays anything and expects that they've already received it, they've received it. He says, if you pray and you believe that you have already reaped it, it's already coming. It's already been sent from heaven and it's on its way down to earth. It will manifest. What is it that God is calling to manifest in your life? See, that's the second level. After you've been set free, it's not just about surviving. It's about thriving. It's about prospering. That's actually what's assigned to the earth. I know for many people that jacks that jacks them up. They got this like anti Benny Hinn kind of theology, you know, the anti Joel Osteen. I don't I don't know why people hate on Joel Osteen. They're like, I don't like his smile. I'm like, really? Like, that's just his face. Like what? You put my face on a book. You're not going to buy the book. Like. There better be there better be at least 100 copies. Come on, Itaewon. I'm going to sell that in the back. But Joel Osteen, one thing about his, one thing about Joel Osteen is that he, they see amazing testimonies at, at that church. They see amazing testimonies of provision, amazing testimonies of increase. They see, they see crazy things happen where they acquire buildings almost instantaneously. I was reading a book by his father, John Osteen, and they were talking about how they, they were praying for a new facility. And the way they prayed for the new facility is that they opened up all the windows of the church. They looked outside, they pointed to the facility they wanted, and then they started praying. And they started praying. Now, if we did that here at Itaewon, some people would probably leave. They'd be like, this is too weird. Actually, I don't know if we want to pray toward Bogong Dong. <laughs> If we want pizza school, no, nah, no, nah. we're dreaming bigger than that. 
But they would turn and they would look and they would see what they wanted and they had full expectation that they were going to reap it. They had full expectation that they were going to prosper. They had full expectation that because of what Jesus had done on the cross, they could reap it. Do you have an expectation to reap? Do you have an expectation that every place that in your small group where you have been sowing and sowing and sowing, that eventually you're going to see their lives changed? Do you have an expectation in your family where you've been praying and praying and praying that ultimately you're going to see that revival in your siblings? Do you have that expectation in your workplace where you've been loving on people, where you've been speaking the truth, where you've been interceding, where you've been praying that ultimately God's going to release revival? Because I want to tell you, if you've been sowing, you have a right to reap it. If you have been sowing, you have a right to expect that that fruit's going to come. See, God wants people that are going to rise up and assert that right. Too many believers, they come to the prayer meeting and they pray and they pray and then they go home. And they don't expect to see anything change. Too many people come to church on Sunday and they worship and they sing the song and they listen to the message. But then they don't expect that their lives are going to change. But it's by your faith that is done. Do you expect to reap? Do you expect to prosper? Let's let's sit on that one for a moment. Do you expect to prosper? Do you believe that Christ died on the cross for you to prosper? Okay, I'll give you a, a quick story. Yes, on Friday, two days ago. I don't know what happened. I don't know why, but I was discouraged. And I was sitting there during Friday fire and I was like, I think it was, I was, all of a sudden this deception started to come at me that Marcus, you've been sowing and Marcus, you've been faithful and Marcus, you've been doing all these things, but, but you're not going to, you're not going to see it. You're not going to reap. You've just been wasting your time. And, all, and Satan came in and I don't know why I was even listening to him. I was like, I know it's Satan. Satan, why are you talk? I guess Satan, I guess. Yeah, I guess you got a point there, Satan. You're not like the father of lies or anything, you know. And I'm, you know, we do that all the time. At first, we're like, no, no, it's Satan. I won't listen to you. I won't. You know, I'm gonna write this in my journal. I'm gonna take notes. And that's what happened. I, he was <laughs> Satan was talking to me. He's like, you know, you've been sowing, and you've been sowing, but Marcus, you, you're not gonna really reap. You'll see a little bit. A little bit, that little bit theology. I was just enough. Daily bread. I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. But see, when Satan comes and tells you you're going to reap a little, it's because he wants you to sow a little. You know, a lot of people, they don't give their tithes because they don't expect that God's going to bless them. You know, if you give your, let me talk about finances. Let me put my finger on this. Can I talk about it? Malachi 3 says that if you bring the full tithe in the storehouse, God's going to open up the windows of heaven. He's going to pour out blessing until there's no more need. But so many of us, we're moved by need instead of faith. And so we say, you know what? I'm not going to sow this seed. I'm not going to give my tithe. I'm not going to bring the full tithe into the storehouse because I don't have enough right now, Jesus. As if God is moved by need. God isn't moved by need. He's moved by faith. He says, if you bring the full tithe into the storehouse, then I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing into your life until there's no more need. He says, I want to bless you 
But you got to at least give me a seed and you got to at least do it in faith. I talk to people in the house sometimes and I'm like, and they're struggling in the area of their finances. And I'm like, why are you struggling in this area? What's going on? Come on, talk to me. I'm listening. And they say, well, Pastor Marcus, I, I can't really tithe. I can't really tithe. I can't really give because I'm struggling right now. I'm struggling so much right now. And, you know, God, I really want God to bless me. But, yeah, can you just pray that God will bless me right now? And when they say that, I want to be like, no. No. Because I know what God's going to say. He's going to say, I'm not moved by need. I'm moved by faith. And if you'll just sow a seed in faith, then I'll bless you until there's no more need. But Satan comes, he says, no, you don't have enough right now. Don't, don't, just sow a little bit. But God says, why don't you bring the full tithe in and then watch me work. You know, a lot of the testimonies that we see of people in the house where they experience supernatural promotion, where they see supernatural provision, where they see God move in power and prosper them. They didn't start out that way. They didn't just walk in the house bawling. No, they trusted God with a little. And because they were faithful with little, he entrusted them with much. Do you believe you have a right to prosper? And then the last point, I want you to look. And this is really what I want to focus on. And we're going to look at verses 13 to 15. How about you read, you read, wait, 12 to 15. I said 13. We're going to read 12 to 15. You start read 12 and then we'll alternate. One, two, three, she jock. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? I want to focus on this last verse, but I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. The last right you need to know about is a right to relinquish your rights. See, I talked about your right to be free. I talked about your right to prosper. But ultimately, the third level, the place where God really wants to take you is to a place where you recognize that you don't have to assert those rights at all. That you can relinquish those rights for the purpose of serving someone else. See, So many people in the church are all about asserting their right to be free, all about asserting their right to prosper. But they do it so much that they alienate the people next to them. It's like that teenager, you know. I got to be free. It's like my little sister. (laughs) She's going to listen to it. Happy birthday, Taylor. It's like whenever she turned whenever she turned 14, all of a sudden she decided that she was going to wear the brightest colors ever. And I think it was because my mom doesn't like my mom likes to wear earth tones. And all of a sudden, my little sister comes in the room wearing leopard pants and wearing like bright pink. And I was like, what's going on, Taylor? She's like, I'm a teenager. I can be free. 
was like, but, but that's crazy. <laughs> now, my point is that it's funny. Oftentimes, the people who are pressing for, to assert their right to be free are the ones who are in the most bondage. Those who are constantly pressing for their right to prosper are the ones who have the poverty spirit. See, when I'm talking about relinquishing your rights, what I'm talking about is you don't have to press in for being free. You don't have to press in for prospering because you're already free. You don't have to press in for, for prospering because you already prosper. There's actually already people who are interceding for your freedom, interceding for your prosperity. It's your spiritual mother and father. You know, I went up to Pastor Christian the other day and I was I was so discouraged because I felt like I said that Friday fire. I was all discouraged and I was like, you know, Satan was coming at me with all these lies about about my future, about my destiny. And all of a sudden I felt like I was in chains and I felt like that I wasn't going to prosper. And 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 then I go up to Pastor Christian. It took him one word. It didn't even take him a word. It took him a look. It was weird. Like I walked up to him. Cassandra preached an amazing word at Friday Fire. If you haven't listened to it, go on the podcast. It's called Trust First, Understand Later. You know, and as Cassandra was preaching, I'm sitting there and I'm getting convicted. Man, this is, oh man, I need to repent. And I just, I walk up to Pastor Christian. I was like, Pops, I repent. And he looked at me and he was like, huh? And I got set free right then. It was weird. I was like, I repent. And he looked at me like, what are you repenting for? And I was like, you know, I've been, I've been, I've not, I've been sowing and I've not been faithful. I'm not fruitful. (sighs) You know, I just feel like that what's to come for me. I've just been messing it all up. He's like, hold up, hold up. No, the plans we have for you are to prosper you. The plans that we have for you, we have great plans for your life. We've been interceding for you. We, we know what God has on the next day, on the next door, the next level for you. It's to prosper you, not to harm you, plan to give you a hope and a future. He said that to me. I was like, oh, oh, that's that's good to know. (laughs) I had gotten so deceived and I was and then all of a sudden I spent all my time thinking about my rights, thinking about what I needed, thinking about how I needed to go forward, how I needed to push forward. And all of a sudden I had gotten to a place of deception, not realizing that there were other people that were already pressing in for it for me. You know, see, the most powerful example of a person is not someone you see that is that is free or someone that is prospering, but someone who is willing to lay down those rights to see someone else free. Someone who is willing to lay down their prosperity to see someone else prosper. You can only do that if you have a revelation that you're free. You know what will bring you know what the next level is for you? Leaders, you know what the next level is for you? It's not you asserting your freedom. It's not you worrying about your destiny. It's you equipping other people to walk in their freedom and their destiny. You know, if it's your first time here, you know what the next level is for you? First is to get set free. And then it's to prosper. And then it's to prosper others. And to set other people free. You know, when Jesus came on the earth, he could have asserted his rights every single time. Every place he went to, he could have asserted his rights. But he came and he said, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. You're wondering what your assignment is. You're wondering how your assignment has, what God has for your assignment. It's not for you to assert your rights. 
It's for you to empower other people to assert theirs. You know, when I first came on as the campus pastor here at Itaewon, it was all about my rights. It was all about my rights. People need to know that I'm the pastor. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to tell them every Sunday. They need to know. Call me Pastor Marcus. Don't call me Marcus. You know what I'm saying? Mm, Pastor. Campus pastor. I sign all my emails. You know, I put all my titles on my email. Media pastor, campus pastor, leadership. People got to know I got to assert my rights. But God confronted me on that. He said, Marcus, when you're asserting your rights, you're not empowering anyone else to assert theirs. When you're spending all your time making sure, making sure that everyone knows that you're free and everyone knows that you're prospering, are you making other people prosper? Because you making someone else prosper is the greatest testimony that you're prospering. You setting someone else free is the greatest testimony that you're set free. See, when you're, a lot of times Satan comes and he says, you're in chains, you're in bondage, you're so jacked up. And we say, yeah, I'm so jacked up. But when you start believing that and you start bringing that in, you're being removed from your place of authority to set someone else free. When he comes in and says, you're not prospering, you're broke. You're not increasing, you're decreasing. Then all of a sudden you're completely removed from your place of authority to increase someone else. Your assignment. Your assignment is not for you to simply be free or for you to prosper. Your assignment is to cause other people to be free. Your assignment is to cause other people to prosper. You know, I was I was reading this book. I, I was reading this book and it's, it's a secular book and it's called The Hundred Dollar Startup. And it's about these uh, companies that people started where they used less than two hundred dollars. And now their startup companies are making like upwards of six figures. And I read, I'm reading this book, and as, as I'm reading this book, I felt like God was speaking to me, and he's saying, money's not an issue for me. He's like, if these people can, can go to new levels with 100 bucks, how much more people with the anointing of the Holy Spirit? And I'm reading this book, and, and then as I was, something stood out as I was reading it, because it was talking about these companies that are prospering. And it said the biggest thing about these companies was that they're not about putting out a product, they're about making people better. That it's not about them asserting themselves or making themselves top of the mountain, but it's about empowering other people. You know, what what makes New Philly different is that it's not about New Philly being at the top of the mountain. It's about us empowering you to go there. What makes you a leader in this house is not that you've gotten to a certain place of authority, but that now you can bring other people there. Are you going to assert your right to relinquish your rights? Because that's what God's calling us to in this hour. Let's pray.
We're going to spend a, a bit of time praying because I want to give you a, a, a chance to really ask God some things. But I want to ask you a question. If everyone can close your eyes. I want you to stop and I want you to think about your destiny. I want you to think about your assignment from God. And I want to ask you, when you stop and you think about your destiny, when you think about your assignment, do your thoughts immediately gravitate to your freedom? Does it immediately gravitate to what you can do and how you can prosper? Maybe how you can make lots of money and get comfort. Does it immediately gravitate to how you can just do whatever you want to do? If it does, chances that's an assignment you've conjured up for yourself. And not an assignment that's coming from God. Because ultimately, your assignment is, has more to do with relinquishing your rights, relinquishing those things so that other people can step into them. One of the biggest things that Paul said to the church in Corinth was he wanted them to understand that their freedom was for a purpose. Their prosperity was for a purpose. It was so that they could lay it down that other people could be free and other people could prosper. I want to ask you, I want, I want you to think about this. What is your cornerstone? What is the one thing that if it's taken away from your life, everything crumbles? Is it your self-determination? Is it your personal freedom? Is it you doing whatever you want to do? Is it money? Is it the approval of man? Because whatever you're building, you're, you're trying to build your assignment on or building your life upon if it's if it's not built upon Jesus and it's not built upon looking more and more like Jesus ultimately it's not going to prosper what i want us to do right now is i want you to pray and i want us to i want us to pray together and as we pray I want us to pray that, God, we would, we would make ourselves available. In whatever way you felt like was your assignment, maybe you felt like your assignment was to become a, a great entertainer, or maybe you feel like your assignment was, is to go into the entertainment mountain or the media mountain or the business mountain. I want you to begin to ask God, God, how can I make people better? How can I empower people through this? How can I begin to lift people up to walk in freedom and walk in prosperity? I want you to begin to ask God, God, how do you want? Because that's what it's about. How can I serve? Not how can I be served? How can I serve? 
It's not about us being our own personal empire builders, but rather building up his. Our own, not our own kingdoms, but his kingdom. So right now, everyone, let's just begin to pray and just begin to ask the Lord. Lord, how do you want me to step into this? What are you calling me to? How can I make people better?